Have you ever felt the weight of God's anger because of your own actions and look for his mercy? How do you respond when others rejoice in your struggles or difficulties? What can we learn from David's example of seeking God and his confidence in God's love? Join us today in this episode as we delve into these thought-provoking questions and examine the themes of repentance, restoration, and correction in the Christian life. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world, and we do it positively. We want to see the positive change in us. We want to see the positive change in the world around us. And that resistance of God is a positive forward motion in our lives and in the world around us so that his kingdom will be triumphant in people's hearts and spill out into this existence that you and I are living in. We're going to be looking today at Psalm 6 uh, to answer some of the questions that I had posed in the beginning in the in the intro. And so I want to just do a reading of it first, and then we will break it down. So Psalm 6 says, a, it's a psalm of David. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? I'm weary with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. Grief, it waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. I don't know about you, but it is a super blessing to me when I read through the Psalms and I realize I get to be in the prayer life of somebody who said was a man after God's own heart. If you need instruction on how to pray, what's acceptable in prayer, inspiration to pray, the Psalms are the book in the Bible given to us for that very reason. And it helps us really to see the character of God as it relates to us as people. So this appears in this Psalm to be a time David was afflicted with a sickness or disease, possibly after the incident with Bathsheba and uh, the murdering of Uriah. And that helps us to understand there are consequences to our sins, even though our sins may be forgiven. And David seems to have kept a deep contrition for the rest of his life because of the adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. So if we have sinned after salvation, what do we do? How should we pray when we're under God's correction? We're going to be kind of answering that question as we go forward. Now, and I, I said, if we have sinned after salvation, what should we do? That echoes in 1 John. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The Christian life is not a life of, with sin in it. That is abnormal. But it is possible that that may take place. And we are interested in what do we do if that has happened. So without any more delay, we're going to look at Psalm 6 and starting in verse 1. He says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. So David seems to think God is justified in giving him this sickness because of his sin with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. 
And this is kind of the same with us. There may be times where we've done something and we know that we deserve a rebuke from God. And this doesn't necessarily mean that what we've done has been purposeful sin, although that could be. I want to burn into your mind and into your heart as you're listening to this. I am not into greasy grace and a sinning religion because I do not believe the Bible teaches that. No matter how many people may shout that from the pulpit, that is not what Jesus died for. So I don't want you to have the idea that we just keep sinning and then just repenting, sinning, repenting, sinning, repenting our entire lives. There is victory in the Christian life. So I want to establish that first. So there, however, may be a time in our Christian life where we have sinned. Or maybe it was a mistake. When I say a mistake, it means that we didn't intend to do evil, but afterwards realized, wow, that wasn't good. I don't want to do that again. So it could be that we've sinned after we've been saved, or it could be some failure we recognize that may not have been intentional. But we do realize, I need a rebuke. I need correction. And the psalmist here, David, he seems to understand the justice of God's anger towards his sin, towards failure on his part. He recognizes that God would be perfectly just in dealing with him in anger. And there are times when we look in the Bible in biblical history where God did rebuke anger. I think about the children of Israel when they complained about having to eat the manna day after day after day, and they wanted quail. And so God sent them quail. He said he would send them so much it would come out their nose. And then God uh, struck them uh, afterwards in his anger. And so we do see where God rebukes people in their anger. He also seemed to recognize the necessity of God's chastening hand upon him when those rebukes were not effective, when we didn't correct ourselves because of God's rebuke, now goes the chastening. And we also realized that there was the hot displeasure of God displayed. I talked about the quails, but also with the uh, rebellion of Korah, where they said, you think you're too holy, Moses. We're holy people too. And the ground opens up and swallows Korah and all his followers in there. And then later in the New Testament, we read about Ananias and Sapphira, which pretended to give all of their belongings with a great show so that they could be amongst the number of the sacrificial disciples there in the early church when all the while they were keeping back part of the price, making other people believe they were doing something they weren't. And God very decisively showed his hot displeasure towards Ananias and Sapphira. So there were times that we see that, but we find that David's dominant appeal right here is, oh God, Don't rebuke me in your anger. Don't chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord. And that's where we go into verse two. He said, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I'm weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. Why is David asking for mercy? Well, he was weak. Now, a lot of times we can read this or or hear this and we think, weak, okay, I'm weak, I'm, I'm sinful. I just keep falling in the same sins over and over and over again. That may be true in your life, but that's not exactly what's being said right here. The weakness that David is speaking about is that he has received some sort of illness or sickness that has laid him out, and he attributes this illness or sickness to the chastisement of God for his past sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. So when the body is weak, it does really affect our whole person. We are not just a soul in a container. We are a human being, a soul, body, spirit. There's no human strength here with David to stem him up under the load of grief and sorrow that he is experiencing at that present moment. And you and I may find that too, when we can't hear God, when everything's going well, and then things come crashing down in our lives, our ears are tuned different to God and to his voice. And we may feel weak because of physical ailments or things that are outside of our control. And we we realize our dependence on God way more than we ever have. So through David's actions, 
uh, though David's actions were the cause of this chastisement, he's asking for this merciful healing touch to come from God. So he's, he's, he's simply asking, can you please remove the entire chastisement from me? And maybe perhaps David felt he had learned the lesson from the hand of God and he was truly penitent. And he's saying, oh, Lord, I get it. I learned. Oh, God, please have mercy on me. Verse three, my soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? And the soul is the center of a, of a human being. And so if our soul is vexed, it affects its effect goes through the whole of our person in such a deep way. I did say, you know, bodily weakness affects our whole person. But if the soul is under deep agony and vexation, that just about just ruins us. And he's saying, oh, Lord, how long are you going to chastise me when I'm this low? Please have mercy, God. And sometimes, dear listener, it does seem like when we're going through tough times, we're praying, we're reaching out to God, and it seems like the answer is not coming. It seems like God is taking a long time to bring the answer this way. In verse 4, he says, Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. He's essentially saying, Don't leave me to myself. I'm suffering, O God. I need your manifest presence. I need your deliverance. The very threads of my life are in your hands, O Lord. Please return and deliver me. You know, it's okay to cry out to God like that if that's how we feel. And you know, if our spirit's off, God will change it all. He'll fix us up and put us in the right place. But we shouldn't be afraid to be lifting our heart up to God and pouring out the grief of our soul because in that way, we're going to get instruction and help from God and deliverance. Verse five, he says, he reasons this way, for in death, there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? In other words, what good would my death do for your glory, Lord? How can I praise you for your abundant mercy in dealing with a sinner like me if I'm dead? I can't praise you when I'm dead. No living beings are going to benefit from any praise that I would give if I'm in the grave. In other words, he kind of is telling God, the grave is going to rob you of glory. If you raise me up, I will praise you to the ends of the earth. I will shout your praises because of your mercy upon me. And this is the argument he's using in prayer. Verse six, I'm weary with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. So he, it's, he, he's telling us, or he's telling God that he's continually crying to God for mercy. And we should do the same until we're satisfied with an answer from God. And in his groaning involved his entire person. It wasn't a half-hearted prayer. He was putting his whole soul into it. Tears were so prevalent that it's as if, it's, it's if he was drowning in tears. That's essentially what he's telling God in his bed. When he's alone at night, he's praying. His tears are coming out of his eyes. Oh, God, come in and help me. Verse seven, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. And you can imagine with such constant crying out and grief to God, how can God not come through? His tears, David says, have almost dried up. He's cried so much. He's like, my eyes, they're, they're, it's like they're getting old and I'm losing my vision. And he's saying all this because of my enemies. And the enemies of God are often the cause of much suffering and grief to the Christian. And David suffered at the hand of Absalom and his accomplices and probably many other things, but it seems to be that's probably the time frame we're looking at. And it appears that the enemies of God don't suffer as much as the righteous. They're getting away with their wickedness. And it's because the wicked are bastard children, but the Lord loves those whom he chastens. So oftentimes many are the afflictions of the righteous because God cares about their well-being and their soul. So he is chastening and correcting them. Whereas the wicked, they don't have a father. Verse eight, he says, depart from me. Here's where the confidence comes in. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. So when the wicked rejoice in our downfall, we can still have confidence in God. And though you or I may be chastened right now, 
The Lord has heard my prayers and he's going to come through for me. That's what happens when we pour our grief out onto God. We start to have a confidence that God gives us that he's going to come through. And you realize your prayers aren't vain. David realized that he stood up with a confident, hopeful declaration to all the forces of hell that were telling him a different story. Verse nine, the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. So the Lord heard my repeated begging of request. Though all of this was multiplied over and over and over and over again, I prayed and prayed and prayed and didn't seem God come through. He finally has heard me. He's gonna receive my prayer. That's the declaration of faith. Something's going to be done as a result of all my weeping and crying unto God. Verse 10, let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. The enemies of God are going to have to face judgment for their actions, though they boast against wounded, suffering, and sometimes failing Christians. It's hard for us to look out and see, you know, It says, there's that Billy Joel song, only the good die young. It almost appears that way, doesn't it? But he's saying, you know, the enemies of God, they're going to be ashamed and sore vexed one day. I'm getting it now because God loves my soul and cares for me, but they're going to find it one day. And though we may feel shame and humiliation, if we have sinned against God, there is pardon and there will be tremendous shame and vexation as the wicked's lot. The judgment of God could come so suddenly on the boastful wicked that think God's not going to hear or see what they're doing. And he has confidence that God is going to judge rightly when it comes here to the end. So we've just taken a deep dive into the themes of repentance. Maybe not so deep, but we've taken a dive into of repentance, restoration, and correction in the life of a Christian through the story of David. We've seen how David acknowledges his weakness and sin, but still appeals to God's mercy for healing. We also see how David was still confident in God's love and promises in the face of the rejoicing of his enemies. But now, The question remains, what about you? Have you been paralyzed by your past sins and the thought of God's judgment upon you? Have you cried out to God for mercy and healing? It's time to take action and follow David's example. Confess your sins to God. Acknowledge your weaknesses and appeal to his mercy for his healing. Don't let your past define and paralyze you. Rise up and live as a new creation in Christ. So take a moment now. Confess your sins to God and experience his restoration and correction in your life. Remember, he is merciful and loving and always willing to forgive and heal if we repent and believe. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 and get in contact with me. If you're local, I'd love to meet with you. Also, we will now be meeting on Thursday evenings at Abide Coffee Shop in downtown Wilkes-Barre at 6.30 p.m. Check out the God's Resistance YouTube page and godsresistance.com.